0: Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord.
1: Yes, I'm home this morning. I'm just um, delighted to be in service with you all. I miss you so much there in um, Arizona, the hot city. That's a taste of hell before you get there. (laughs) And I must have lost my mind to even think that that's where I wanted to live. (laughs) However... God has a sense of humor, and he also uses us in places that are sometimes difficult for us to be. I wanted to thank um, Pastor um, Brian, please forgive me for calling you by your first name, but that's just life, you know, Uh, especially when you're a senior, you can get away with it, Um, for allowing me and inviting me to be here in your congregation this morning, and actually it's just like being home and... um, So I don't feel like I'm a stranger. And I just am so appreciative that the Lord has blessed me to do a full circle and be here again today. Um, It's really wonderful to be in cool air right now. (laughs) I tell people it's not hot in Arizona until your eyeballs are crispy. That means there is no moisture at all. And it's difficult for you to blink your eyes. (laughs) And it has been that way for the past few days. Um, Some of the temperatures you may have seen have been up to like 119. I mean, you get out there and you wonder, what does 119 feel like? I remember going to church the first year we were there, and I had uh, parked a car in the lot went in service, and I got out, and I turned my car on, and I saw the, the, um, you know, the temperature gauge in the side where they tell you how hot it is, and I think it said 127 or 129, and I just sat there and going, what does that feel like? Like a fool. I was sitting there asking that question. Um, it was hot, and so... Um, and I think I could deal with it a bit easier, but there are no night breezes. <laughs> this, it still is hot when you get up in the middle of the night. It might be sometimes down to maybe 100 or, you know, night. I know for Bay Area folks, it was like, I lost my mind. Why did I come here? <laughs> However, I believe the Lord, you know, he orders our steps, even though sometimes we're saying, Yes, or we make a decision, and we make it for one reason, but God may have something else totally in mind, and the bottom line is we can serve him wherever we are, Um, and so I have found that to be so real. Um, I don't know what time you all get out of service anymore. Tell me so I don't keep you longer than you like to be, huh? Twelve, okay, I think I can do that. No, I should be able to do
2: faster that.
1: This morning, I wanted to just talk a little bit about something that's dear to my heart. And um, many of you that are here, you already know my story. You know my story of having been sexually abused, and I'm not here to talk about that. I'm not here to trigger anything, but to know that there are people and experiences in our lives that cause a, a lot of pain often in our world. But there is, the scripture talks about it, and there's a song that's sung. There's a bomb in Gilead that heals the, the wounded and the sin-sick soul. But I also believe that God uses people to be a bomb to be a salve, to be one that can enable other people to make it through or overcome difficult circumstances in their lives. And so you don't have to be trapped in those experiences forever. So I'm going to talk from a passage of scripture today that just gives us a glimpse into an experience. It's a small what we might say, a vignette of, of, of people and their lives and a time. And this is a, a story, not really, but it's, it's, it, it recounts a, a story, an incident in the scriptures, where Jesus does something with a man there and brings about healing. But before I talk about that, and that's going to be in Mark, the second chapter, in the first through the 12th verses, so if you want to find that, you can, I want to talk just a little bit about the things that we carry in our lives. Um, Many years ago, I read this book by a man. um, His name is Tim O'Brien, and he titled the the book, The Things We Carry. And it's a collection of short stories that he wrote about this platoon of American soldiers in the Vietnam War. And I was really struck by his thoughtful observations of these men that he observed as they were in their role of soldiering. He paid attention to things that many of us might not even pay attention to. He looked at the weight of their weapons that they were carrying. He looked at them even in the difference between what it would feel like if it was empty versus if it was loaded. He even paid attention to the things that they carried around in their pockets. Like me, I typically have a pen somewhere handy. Um, He he thought about their things that uh, kept them connected to their families and their friends. Things like their letters or some of the soldiers had brought mementos from home, maybe a slingshot or some feathered hatchet that they had belonged to their grandfather, even their brass knuckles. He noted that those things that they carried were, to some extent, uh, various things and they were tied to superstition and they also were tied to the kind of mission that they were on. But His profound observation to me was that some of the greatest weights that these soldiers carried came from things like grief, from terror, from love. He called them intangibles and that he saw that those intangible things that they carried had their own mass and their own specific gravity so that in a sense, they had become tangible weights. You follow me? He looked at them as some of those things were emotional burdens, he said, and he identified them in, in this way by saying that some of the heaviest things that they carried were intangible because they were not easily disposed of. Well, today there's this popular TV program. It's it's on its hiatus right now. I hope they get it together and bring it in soon. Um, it's um, today it, for me is Chicago Fire. I like watching that show. Any of you friends of Chicago Fire? Good. Okay, so we're the small groupy group here. Okay, and I like it. It's about this firehouse in Chicago where these ordinary men and women are constantly laying down their lives for people that they don't even know. And they're trying to rescue them from extreme situations. Often they're life-threatening. It could be automobile accidents. Even, you know, I've found out things about firefighters. I had no idea they did the kinds of things that they do. And so it would be from these really small things to very big things all the way to huge fires. And one of my favorite characters happens to be this guy, Kelly Severide. Um, he's real handsome, he has this innocent and boyish look, but he seems to me in this character that he's in, he's a man deeply committed to ensuring that those he rescues come away alive and that they're safe. And he's passionate almost to a fault about right and wrong. Sometimes he's just really stirred up over what, and he does some stupid things, but he is willing to lay his life on the line without a second thought. And in most cases, he gets it right. Now, in our world, both locally and internationally, and we can see it, it's played out in the TV every single day. When we look at the war in the Middle East right now, what's going on, we just, I mean, the things that are happening in Russia and the Ukraine, we get caught up in all those things and see they're. they're horrific suffering. There are so many people who are deeply suffering from being wounded or carrying this weight of grief and terror and illness and wounds and even the things that they carry because of love. And I look at them and call them what I say they're soul sick. We have so many people in our World in our congregations that are sick to the soul. And they are deeply in pain. And I look often in the scriptures and I see that there is really a theme there about discipleship, about doing something about our world. And the place that I'm talking about today is not the one that deals with our um, individual relationship with the Lord, because I believe that we do that. A lot of us do that with a lot of care and a lot of thought. But sometimes I think we do that to the denigration of not spending enough time thinking about our sisters and brothers. And I'm thinking not just in the small nuclear way, but with those people who extend further out and our need to have an eye on their needs also. So today, I'm just going to talk briefly about a group of guys who moved from this, what I call this sort of myopic circle to one that was a bit wider. This is about four guys. I believe the scripture talks and names them as four. They're unnamed. I love it because it's guys, because you guys always say it's the women who have all that ooey, ooey, soft, gooey stuff. (laughs) But these were manly, manly guys. And I want to go to the scripture. It's in Mark, the second chapter. I'll read this passage of scripture. Um, It starts there at the first verse. I have the NIV. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Now, it might have been a bigger group, but the, the, I'm focusing in on that four. It says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the man that was on the mat, the paralyzed man was lying on, my version. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, these are religious people, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking and in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of God has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He, this paralyzed guy, suddenly gets up. I don't know how he did it. You know, that old song we used to sing as a kid, the ankle bones connected to the knee bone. You know that. You all don't. Some of y'all are too young to know it. Some of you know it and you just don't want to act like you do. Got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, this event, I, I was kind of caught off guard. I don't know why. I always thought, you know, we always say that scripture, Jesus said, uh, talked about the foxes have holes and the son of man has no place to lay his head. And I don't know, for the first time I saw in the scripture, I said, oh, but Jesus had a house. You know, he went home. He, That's where he was. He was in his home. It's an interesting concept. So many times we want to spend our time outside when sometimes ministry just begins right in the house. That's another message for another day. But this event takes place inside Jesus' home. Um, And we see before we go further, there's this huge crowd that's outside. It's so tightly packed that no one can get into the house. The people are straining to hear Jesus' teaching. But here come these macho guys. These are guys that are concerned, and they come up this path, and they are carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Now, I don't know if they'd spent a lot of time with him. I don't know if they're his brothers. I don't know if they're his cousins, if he's just their friend and acquaintance, but something in them Cause them to say, There's someone that can help him get out of his dilemma, and I am going to make it my business to try to get this person to Jesus Christ. They get there, they're not dissuaded, they're not discouraged. Oh, it's just a crowd. It's just a crowd. So what? Let's go around, let's get creative. And these guys go up and decide, Let's just take the roof off. I don't know about you, but as a homeowner, I would not have been quite happy to have somebody come decide they're going to come through my roof, take the tiles off, and the dust, and I think about the dust and the dirt, that's me, it's visualizing, it's falling, these people are trying to hear Jesus, suddenly, here's somebody coming, imagine, this is a showstopper as this body's being lowered into this room, but these guys had something within them, that was driving them to move forward. They were not going to stop just because there was a crowd, just because it wasn't necessarily convenient. It wasn't because they hadn't been able to get an appointment with Jesus. They were determined that they were somehow going to get through the crowd and get him to Christ. That tells me, though, that these guys knew something about this man that they were carrying. The man, then the man knew something about the, uh, them. Because I don't know if I'd have been trusting somebody to drop me down out of the air. In a, You know, I might have been, oh, wait, that's okay. Y'all go home. We'll come back another day. That's all right. I'm already paralyzed. What are y'all going to do? Break something else? That's okay. That's not what happened here. We don't see that. At least we don't get that from what we see in the scripture. These guys tear the roof apart and bring him down below. Now, we don't have any words recorded in that passage of scripture that tells us that those guys had a conversation with Jesus either. The man is just sort of brought in. On this map. We don't know their names. We don't know really anything about them. Except. Except. We see that in the passage of scripture. Jesus saw their faith. He saw. He saw. How do you see faith? How? How does one see faith? How does one even recognize Faith is. But Jesus saw something in the actions that those people were taking and said he saw their faith. Did Jesus say that about you me? That's another message. <laughs> Religious leaders are really up in arms because they're, they're outraged that Jesus is acting as if he were God. Which he is. And they're really upset because he says, Not to the man, okay, I will heal you. You stand up and you start to walk. He says, Out of his mouth, your sins are forgiven. Well, that says to me that Jesus saw something that was a deeper need in that man than just physical healing. He saw something stemmed deeper than just to get up. But really what that says to me is that Jesus sees really much more about us than the surface stuff that goes on in our lives. So what does that say to us from this little story? And that is, I think that we need people who care, people care, and that caring matters. And understanding what our role is versus what the Lord's role is is important in the formula. Yeah. And that is to know that I can do all I can do to support you and to walk alongside with you and to care for you. I can be there for you. I can try to open doors for you. I can be a container for you. And Christ can then do the rest. But the man would not have gotten there without the brothers bringing him forward. And that there is sort of the crux of the matter. Care, caring for others matters. It's not just a singular thing, or telling people to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. I mean, in Colossians, it talks about that we have been chosen of God. We're holy and beloved. We're to put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This tells me that as the people of God, we have to be people of action, and we have to be deliberate about what we do. It can't just be an accidental um, feat that we're doing. I know that things happen through serendipity, but I'm talking about the fact that when we are really being focused and asking God, I'm just a person that I'm asking you to channel through to use, that that caring becomes something that's almost magical. It works yes. because caring does matter. Yes. I was recently at um, one of our retirement communities that the Covenant Church Churches run. Um, I'd been asked to come to the one at Mount Miguel here in San Diego, and then they asked me to come to Colorado. And um, the reason why I started being asked is... Um, you know, Kurt Davis, who used to be here, called me up one day and he said, Yvonne, you know, I'm a chaplain here at Mount Miguel and I'm finding people who are getting ready to cross over, who are dealing with issues around abuse that they've had unresolved. He said, I wasn't prepared to deal with this when they're crossing over. And it broke my heart and so... I'm finding that I've got people from young to old who still have unresolved pain and hurt, that they're caring. And I recognized when I went to this place in Colorado where they asked me to come, they put up a sheet and said, you know, if you want to talk to Yvonne privately, you can. And this one woman says, well, I may as well get it out at least once in my life. And as I sat with them individually and they told me their stories, I recognized I couldn't erase it. I couldn't do anything to heal them, but I could be a container for that period, that hour for their pain. All that person wanted from me was just to sit and hear their story. Because of four unnamed guys, one man was set free. The miracle came, yes, because of Jesus but also because these men were willing to act. They were willing to take a risk. They were willing to put themselves in the same boat as this guy, understanding that they couldn't do it, but maybe someone else could. All of us. All of us have friends, relatives, people we work with who need us. This is too little to live in. Amen. Amen. It's too small. Amen. I would like to challenge you to expand your vision. To just get it maybe that bigger. And you'll just widen your circle. Widen your place of influence. Widen your area of care. I don't ask you to go to Congo. I'm not asking you to go and set up some new this or that. But the place where you're at, can you not? Can you not be like these men? Now, I suspect there are some of you that sit here today that have had some burdens that you've carried for years. And if you are like me, they are still there, and some of those effects are still there. But my prayer is that you will be befriended by someone who will be like these men. So I need women, too. But I really like the brothers because I just... That's the thing that just really makes me really excited when I see men turned on to doing the compassionate work that we need in our world. But you can be that person, that one that God can do something with, that can change the circumstances of someone else's life. And who knows what it'll look like. That's the thing. But these guys, they just brought this man. I wonder what they did after they left. I, I'm one of those, I just want to know, what's the other side of the story? Wonder what they did. I'm just imagining. Did you, do you think they went back to their village and evangelized? Do you think that they thought of others? I mean, were they part of the contingency that followed Jesus wherever he was, and were they bringing more people? We don't know, do we? But we do know one man's life was completely changed. How many of us are there in here? Probably a few hundred, you know. Imagine if it was just one more person that you were helping to come to Jesus just by your presence, supporting them, what would happen in this room. Just one, not a village, just just one. And in this room, I know there are people who have carried the burdens of abuse and so forth in their lives. But, you know, there is a healing balm. There is. And there is another side to pain, and that can be joy. Yes, it can. And you have brothers and sisters that are around you that can be containers for you. Can they take it away? Absolutely not. The memory doesn't go away, but the pain diminishes, and the glory of God can really cover that and make it so that you're a, a wounded, healed person. I have scars on me from childhood. I mean, physical scars. You know from where I might have fallen or whatever. Am I still hurt by that? No, but I have a memory of it. It doesn't hold me back, and it doesn't have to. There is a way for us to be healed. We can be healed. Yes, we can. Amen. 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 To be going into communion, so we can enter it in with this song. I hope it'll bless your hearts as we do that.
2: I recommend the healing waters, flows from Zion. To the soul I recommend The healing waters Flows from Zion To the soul Stand beneath The healing Bathe beneath the cleansing flow. Stand beneath the healing waters, he will heal and make you whole. I recommend the cleansing waters Flows from Zion to the soul I recommend the cleansing waters Flows from Zion to the soul. Would you stand with me? Stand beneath the cleansing waters. Bathe beneath the cleansing flow. heal your thirst
0: Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.